Thank you for downloading this podcast from the Freedom Centre Church in Preston. So this morning we're going to look um, a little part um, of verse 3, but I'm going to get there in a minute. We're going to just have five minutes just where I want to talk about Isaiah 61 as a whole, kind of as, as one big kind of chapter, because we, we talk about this in our church and we talk about it as it's being our vision. We say our vision as a church is Isaiah 61. We talk about it quite a lot, Isaiah 61, Isaiah 61. But it turns out, apparently, that we're not the first. (laughs) We're not the first people to say our vision is Isaiah 61. We're not the first to say we're all about this text. Because it turns out that Jesus also referred to this block of text. And he said, I'm about this as well. So if we skip uh, just forward from Isaiah 61 into Luke chapter 4. I think that's going to pop up on the screen. And we will see, this is Jesus really near the start of him starting his ministry and all that he does. And you'll recognize this because this is, this is Jesus speaking. These words in our Bible would probably be in red because it's Jesus. And he says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. Is that familiar? We hear that somewhere else? Yeah. He, he has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners. And recover of sight for the blind, to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Then Jesus, he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant and sat down. The eyes of everyone in the synagogue were fastened on him. He began by saying to them, this is, this is the outrageous bit that Jesus did. He said, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus said, this is fulfilled in your hearing. Today, this scripture, this bit in the Old Testament, this prophecy, this bit that we talk about all the time, Jesus said, today, it's fulfilled. And that was controversial. That was outrageous that this guy was claiming to be the fulfillment of this prophecy. Now, I met someone a few years ago, and I was talking to him a little bit about our church and saying what we do. And I, and I explained that our vision is Isaiah 61, and we're all about it, and we talk about it a lot, and this is what we do. And this person kind of looked at me, you know, slightly confused, and in very, kind of these religious tones, said, but Tom, you know, but Tom, Jesus fulfilled that passage. He fulfilled it. It's done. Don't worry about it. And, you know, when someone says something for a minute, you think, gosh, maybe... Maybe they're right. Maybe we've been wasting our time this whole time. Maybe we can just sack the whole thing off. We can go home and carry on a merry way. We don't have to worry about it anymore. But I think what they're missing, when Jesus said that it's fulfilled, Jesus meant what he was saying here was that this is what I'm all about. This is what I'm all about. This is why I have come. To proclaim good news to the poor. To proclaim freedom for the prisoners. Recovery of sight for the blind. To set the oppressed free, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour. Because I notice around me that it doesn't look, when I look around our city and around our country, it doesn't look like this is finished, this work is, is kind of done and we don't need to do anything anymore. I'm seeing poor people, I'm seeing oppressed people, I'm seeing hurting people, I'm seeing people that are mourning. And what Jesus is saying here, when he says he's fulfilled it, he's calling us to join with him. Jesus says, be my hands and be my feet. So this vision, okay, it's not just a, it's, it's not just freedom center, this is our thing that we talk about all the time. It's so much bigger than that. When we talk about we want to be a church that are focused around Isaiah 61, we're saying we want to be 
about the same things that Jesus is about. We're saying we want to join in with the things that Jesus started, fulfilled. Jesus said it is finished, but we want to join in with the things that he is doing and that he is calling us to. I find this so exciting. I find this so exciting that this is, this is so much more than just an Old Testament passage which just us as our little church kind of read a lot. This is a big thing. This is a huge, huge statement that turned the world upside down. And we're saying as a church, we want to be about this. There's a scripture, isn't there? We, we often look at this scripture in Proverbs 29, 18. And it's that one, we probably know it well. It says, without, the vi- without vision, people perish. We hear that often, don't we? Without vision, people perish. So we think, right, I need a vision. I don't want to perish. That doesn't sound very good. I need a vision. So we think, right, what can my vision be? So some of us, we have all kinds of different visions, you know, to own a business, to have a family. It might be to to get your degree or to get married or whatever it might be. We have these visions, but I think they're more goals than visions. They're more things that we might aim for that might be good and lovely and all the rest of it. But I'm going to say a vision needs to be bigger than that. A vision needs to be deeper than that, richer than that. There needs to be more to a vision than I want to have a house with six bedrooms, please. Like that's not a vision. That's, some, that's a goal. You can work towards it. Go for it. But a vision... A vision is something as bold as Jesus claimed here in Isaiah 61 in Luke chapter 4. This passage, Isaiah 61, it it informs and it frames so much of what we do in our church. Okay, there's so much of what we do, whether it's the the homeless drop-in, whether it's Sunday morning, coffee mornings, all the different things which we do in the life of our church, we We try and let this passage inform and frame what we do and why we do it. But we know, don't we, that church is not just a building. Church is not just something that has a logo on it in the corner of it. We are the church. You are the church. It's us. It's not just a logo. It's not the building. But when we go out and do all that we do through the week, this is our vision that we're being called to. That's so exciting. So, you know, in this room there might be bankers and there might be carpenters and there might be doctors and students and stay-at-home mums and all kinds of things. But I think it's so important to recognise that these things, these labels that we wear, that's just the context. It's just the context. (laughs) We're just being dressed up to go out into those places so that God can tactically post us and place us all throughout society But our vision is more than that. Our vision is looking and thinking and praying, how does this change what I do? This statement that Jesus made, that Jesus called us to, how does that affect the way that we live our everyday life, church? That's more of a sign than a building of a church. That's more of a sign than a logo of a church. It's what we're doing and how we are living, living this vision, living this mandate, living this goal that's talked about in Isaiah 61. Because we want our church to be about the same things that Jesus was all about. So I'm just, I just wanted to kind of talk about that a little bit, just as a bit of context to what we're doing. 
We're not just picking out little verses just like, oh, that's nice. You know, no, this is all part of us unpacking and asking ourselves as we're talking this morning and in the future weeks and as you think back to previous weeks, what does this mean for me, for us? What does this look like? How does this inform? How does this affect the way I go about my job? It's not always an easy question. There's stuff to wrestle with here. But try and have that part of your brain ticking over as we're here this morning. Because this morning we're arriving in verse 3 of Isaiah 61. We're actually going to only look um, at the little bit towards the end of verse 3. But if Matt, if you could bring uh, it up, there it is. We just read it as Jesus read it, but we're going to go through it again. So we'll go from verse 1, which says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. And now this bit, just right at the end, this last line, this is the bit that we're going to look at this morning. And it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. If you nodded off to this point, right, that's the bit we're going to talk about this morning. You ready? They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. Now what we see in this, uh, this passage, Isaiah 61, is we see a lot of travel. That's an odd thing to say. There are no cars, there are no buses, there are no planes, there are no donkey rides. But there's a lot of travel going on here. There's a lot of journey. Because what we see in this book is a lot of times it talks about going from one thing to another thing. It talks about God changing us. So we see the poor hearing the good news, the brokenhearted being bound up, the captive finding freedom, people from darkness to release, mourning to comfort, grieving to provision, ashes to beauty, mourning to joy, despair to praise, and so on and so on and so on and so on. There's more of them there. But so often in this book we see that movement from one place to another thing. I love that list. So, so it excites me. Mourning to comfort, grieving to provision, ashes to beauty, mourning to joy, despair to praise. This is the fantastic thing about Jesus because Jesus is into and wants to take us from one place to another. Okay, Jesus wants us to go from one place to another. Jesus did not go to the cross and die for us so that we could just have something to do on Sunday mornings. We could get a free cup of tea, maybe a biscuit, a little sing-along for good measure, but then to just Go about our everyday life in exactly the same way. Like Jesus died for us so that we could go from one place to another. Jesus died for us so that we could be changed, so that there is hope. 
So for those that are mourning and those that are poor, all those things listed in that book, that there is hope for change. If you're here this morning, and I can see you, which means you are here, it means that Jesus wants to change you. He wants you to go from one place to another. All the stuff in your life at the moment, which is messy and horrible, and you feel ashamed of, Jesus died, not so you could stay the same, but so that you could be changed. And we see that, and I love this passage. That's one of my favorite things about this passage, because we see journey, travel of people going from one place to another, and lives being changed. We sing, don't we? I once was blind, but now I see. I once was lost, but now I'm found. We sing these, we sing these songs, and they're great. They're true. The problem is, is when we're on the journey, or when we're not there yet, it can be so difficult to see, can't it? It can be so hard to see what Jesus sees in us, where Jesus is taking us and wants us to be when we're not there yet. A few years ago, I, we went on a few road trips in North America. And in North America, people that have been and done this trip, I think Tanya and the girls were there the other week, you can drive for hours. You can drive for hours and you see absolutely nothing. You see nothing. Like, I was driving through the prairies and we drove for, I think it was about 12 hours for three or four days on the truck. But you get four, five, almost six hour stretches where you see nothing. Nothing. No nice, convenient little service station every 20 minutes to get your overpriced cup of tea and sandwich and all that kind of thing. Nothing. You see nothing. Just prairie land for hours and hours and hours. But then suddenly, in the distance, you kind of go over a slight hill in the road, which is probably the most exciting thing you've seen for hours. And in the distance, you see the, just the outline of the city. The sky. And you see it there. Suddenly, you see it there. And what I love about this little bit of scripture which we read, Oaks of Righteousness, is it shows us how God sees us even when we don't see it yet. It shows us that God sees us through the cross as oaks of righteousness. I think they're big, strong, not messing around kind of words. God sees us as oaks of righteousness. All the sin... All our mistakes, the shortcomings, all that stuff that we've carried in this morning, God says they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. An oak of righteousness. I love an oak, the big, massive, solid tree that's not shifting anywhere. It's not just kind of falling on the floor in a random little bit of wind. No, it's an oak. An oak of righteousness. And we're going to impact that a little bit more later on and just what those things actually mean for us. But we're just going to pause here for a second. We're going to come back to this. And when I was growing up, okay, when I was growing up, superheroes were not very cool. They weren't very cool. If you were into superheroes when I was growing up, you were not one of the cool kids. Right? You were not one. Now, no, if you like superheroes, you're one of the cool kids. Right? And that's the way that it works. And when I was a kid, we, all had, we probably all had different heroes. Right? We might have had different posters of different people on our bedroom wall, maybe. I will tell you who my posters were. Well, not my posters, but who my heroes were on my wall when I was a kid. When I was about five, six years old, my heroes were 
Um, Ian Rush, who was a Liverpool player who scored all the goals, so he was my hero. Um, my other hero was Jason Donovan, because he was just really cool. Um, and Hulk Hogan, the Hulkster. There's some words I never thought I was going to say in church. But they were my heroes. I'm sure you had your own heroes. Anyone got any heroes they want to share with us? Who, who was on your wall when you grew up? Anyone? Tom Finney. Tom Finney. There you are. Good one. Tom Finney. Any others anyone want to share? I know someone in, um, on the Vision team until a few years ago had uh, Batman bedding. But we're just going to leave that one out there. You know, we all, we all have our different heroes. We all have our different heroes. We all got our different people that we, uh, we looked up to. And the thing with these heroes, these superheroes, whether it be Iron Man or the Incredible Hulk or Jason Donovan, we look up to them as when we're younger because they seem to be something that we're not. We see something in them which they can do, which they're better at than us. They're somewhere that we think, oh, that'd be so cool. They're, they're living the dream. They're doing it. The superheroes, they can fly. They can be invisible. They can bend big planks of metal and they can the other ones they can score goals they can sing and be really cool all that kind of stuff and we see something in them that part of us thinks that looks really exciting and we want to be but obviously we can't be that we have these heroes and i see a similar thing kind of thing a similar thing in how we do church sometimes So sometimes within church, whether it be in this church or maybe a conference that you go to or someone that you've known in your past, we see these people that we think of as the heroes. They're the heroes. They're the spiritual ones. We see these people that are super spiritual. They can pray really well with such nice language and they can... can, They can offer such great advice. They have some charisma. They can gather a crowd. They've got all these talents and so much about them. And that's them, but it's not me. That's them. That's those special, the heroes, the superstars. The ones that, you know, we can never quite be like because we, they're, they're the ones that are on the stage. They're the people that do all the stuff. But me, that's not quite me. That's not what I do. One of the things that I think add to this is the thing that you hear in church quite a lot of the time is um, you need to read your Bible. You need to pray more. You need to read your Bible and you need to pray more. Right, we hear that's one of the things we hear in church more than anything else. You need to read your Bible. You need to pray more. Well, you're not going to hear any different from me this morning. <laughs> but what I'm going to say is that the, when we hear those statements sometimes in church, if I said here, stood here this morning and said, okay, what we're going to do this week, we're going to need to pray more and we need to read our Bible more. All right? There'll be some of us that go away and we do that. Brilliant. There'll be some of us that think, no, nah, I'm not going to bother. I'm going to try. Don't worry about it. And there'll be others that go, yeah, I'm going to try to do that. But then Monday morning comes and we're tired and different things are going on and, and we don't manage to get round to it. Then we feel rubbish and we feel like we're not very good. We feel like we're not very spiritual. And then the people that can do that stuff, they're the holy ones. They're the super ones. But me, no, I'm just going to kind of, you know, that's not really for me. I'm not going to kind of get into my Bible too much because I'm not very good at it. It's not really my thing. And we'll, we'll leave that to other people. And so we get almost this kind of two-tiered system. There's a phrase that uh, John Wimber, who found the Vineyard Church, he had this phrase that he used, and people kind of use it quite a lot now, is that everyone gets to play. He was leading this church, and he said everyone gets to play. What he was saying by that is, although there's roles in church and different things that certain people do that other people won't do, but he was saying that there's a place for 
everyone. He said everyone gets to play. There is a place for everyone. Whether you feel like the super spiritual ones that can do all the stuff, that read, you know, know your Bible inside out, or whether you're not, whether you just feel rubbish. There's a place for everyone. There's a role for everyone. There's room for everyone. And when it says they're oaks of righteousness, it's saying that although some of us so often feel so bleh, so unspiritual, so grotty, so like we've not got it together, God says you, through Jesus, are an oak of righteousness. The nonsense, the lie, the rubbish of you're not good enough, that's for those people, not for you. Rubbish. A lie. God calls you, through Jesus, an oak of righteousness. God calls you an oak of righteousness. However much you've forgotten to read your Bible, however much you just feel like you've got so distracted with this, that, and the other, however much you feel like your brain is not good enough to kind of handle all the different things that we talk about in church sometimes. Through the cross, you are an oak of righteousness. It's one story that I want to look at from Mark's Gospel, which I think shows this so well. And it's from Mark chapter 12. And we're going to go from verse 41, first of all. So we'll go from verse 41, just halfway down, because it says, Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a few cents. Calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, Truly I tell you, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They all gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything that she had to live in. I love this story because I think this is a great example of Jesus seeing an oak when everyone else saw a, a weed. Jesus called special attention to this woman. Because he recognized something in her. This woman in this time, she would not have been seen as one of the heroes. She was not seen as one of those people that people looked up to. But Jesus pointed her out to his disciples. He made special mention of this woman. And we could think that this is just a nice little story of Jesus giving the poor a little mention, but... What we see from the little bit of passage before it, which we read now, we see a little bit more context to that. Because at the start in verse 38, it says that as he taught, Jesus said, watch out for the teachers of the law. They like to walk around in flowing robes and be greeted with respect in the marketplaces and have the most important seats in the synagogues and the places of honor at banquets. They devour widows' houses and for a show make lengthy prayers. These men will be punished severely. So you see how Jesus is contrasting these two things. 
There's all these people that walk around because they've got it all together and the super spiritual holy ones. But Jesus points out this woman. And although in the culture she might not have been seen as highly as some of these people, he's, she's saying, that woman has given more than all those other people. Jesus is recognizing an oak. And it's not the kind of oak that the culture would have recognized. It's maybe not the kind of oak that her family may have recognized or anyone who knew her. But Jesus sees an oak. Do you see how revolutionary Jesus is? It's so easy just to read these scriptures as these old kind of stories. But do you see how revolutionary Jesus is? And not just then. Today we see it as well. Jesus continually just blowing open the whole system. Jesus giving opportunity and favor upon those that our society doesn't see it in. But Jesus sees it in. This is huge. This is huge. This is why Jesus has shaped history. Because Jesus does things so differently to what any of us do. The way Jesus operates is so countercultural. It's so otherly, it's like nothing else. Jesus. <laughs> this, is G- this is Jesus. And when we're talking about vision and looking in our lives and how this applies, we see that it's revolutionary stuff. This is not just a nice little chapter that we read that says we should do nice things for people once, once in a while, all that kind of thing. This is ground-breaking, messing your whole life up and the way you do stuff kind of things. It's huge. Jesus changing history. Jesus is saying when he says that you'll be called an oak of righteousness, he's saying that there is a place for those who so often get dismissed. Jesus is saying that although so often you don't feel good enough, you don't feel like you count, he's calling you out. He's saying there's a place for you. Jesus is saying that you make the cut. Where so often you might have been left behind, forgotten. Or it might have just been yourself, putting yourself down, thinking, no, not for me. Jesus is saying, there's a place for you. And just going back to what I said before about, you know, in church, so often we read your Bible, pray, read your Bible, pray. Right? When we... When we say that, when God calls us to that, that isn't, you must read your Bible, you must pray, you need to learn things. It's not, it's because God sees the potential in you. He's calling you up to that level. It's not, you must do this to qualify. He's saying, you've qualified. You get this opportunity. And he he sees you that highly that he wants to invest in you. That he wants to have time with you. He wants you to know his presence on a Sunday morning, but also in your week as you go about your everyday life. So these three words that we've been looking at, oaks of righteousness. It says they will be called oaks of righteousness. So just quickly, 
what is righteousness? If you've been thinking that, I, I probably should have done this at the start, really, but I kind of wanted to leave it at the end. Righteousness is right standing with God. Righteousness is when through Jesus, through the cross, we are seen as having right standing. The cross means that when Jesus went to the cross, when he died, it means that God no longer sees our sin and our mess and our mistakes. When God looks at us now, he doesn't see us, he sees Jesus. Righteousness. We have right standing. You might have gone through your whole life with people telling you you are wrong. You've got so much wrong about you. You're not right. You've got this wrong. You can't do this. You can't do that. You've done it wrong again. But the gospel of Jesus is that you have right standing, that you are righteous. The Amplified Bible says, they'll be called trees of righteous. Now listen to this list of words. This is where the Amplified Bible just tries to break down the original language and just tries to piece together because sometimes there's not an exact fit as a translation. So it throws these other words in there as well. And it says they'll be called trees of righteousness, strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God. What a list of words that God says about us. Strong and magnificent, distinguished for integrity, justice, and right standing with God. Second one, who is they? Who is they? Because it's so easy after all we've said just to think, well, it's, that's them, they, not me. But they, the list that it gives in Isaiah 61 at this point is the poor, the brokenhearted, the captive, the prisoners, and those who mourn. You might be here this morning and you just so, you might feel just so poor. Your finances might be an absolute mess. But you make the cut. You might be here broken hearted. From recent days or through the years. Your heart might be in bits. Still. But God says. You make the cut. You might be captive to just so many different things. In life, there might be so many things that just got control of you, get the better of you, but God says, through Jesus, you make the cut. Prisoners, you might have fallen massively wrong and been in prison or whatever it might be, you make the cut. Those who mourn, if you're mourning, there's a place for you, you make the cut. this list of people that are they we're a part of that we're a part of that Jesus at the time he talked about all those people that walked around doing this that and the other they kind of had the bar up here but Jesus blew the whole system wide open so that we can get in we can get in me you us there is hope there's future there's salvation this chapter that we talk about, Isaiah 61, we're included. We're included. It's us. We make it. Because of Jesus, we are in. This is great, great news. It should define the way that we live, the way that we deal with people in our workplaces, 
in our social groups because these are all people who are potential oaks of righteousness. This is how God sees us. If the band could just come up as we just kind of close. What I've done this morning, I've been quite sneaky really. What I've done is I've done a talk this morning on grace without using the word grace. (laughs) Because I know for lots of us we've heard talks on grace so many times. I'm going to talk on grace today. Oh, okay, yeah, I know that one. Yeah, I've heard that one. Yeah, I've heard it so many times, but I still haven't quite got it. Right, what I've done this morning, I've done a talk on the grace of God. Of how God is so gracious to us that he gives us what we do not deserve. But as a free gift to us. Jesus came, lived a perfect life, died on a cross so that we could make the cut. So there is place for you. I think there's people here this morning that you might have been told, even growing up, that you don't make the cut. That it doesn't include you. There's people in here that have been told by teachers that you're thick, that you're stupid, that you'll never amount to anything. There's people that have been told by fathers and mothers that you're a waste, that you're a failure, awful, horrible, evil lies. There's people that have been in relationships and as they've broken off, you've been told just things that have left you broken hearted. Jesus has good news because he sees you as an oak of righteousness an oak he sees you as an oak We're going to sing in a minute. We're not in a rush. We've got time to worship. We've got time to respond. We've got time to have some conversations with God. We've got time to just let God, let this word just settle and go deep, deep, deep down into your hearts. But I thought it'd be good just for a minute, just to take a moment and just wait, see what God wants to do. And just let these words, the truth of these words, get rid of the lies from the ears. So we'll just do that. We'll just take a minute. And if you don't know what to do in these times, if you find these kind of minutes a little awkward, you might just, you might just be just simply thinking on, God sees me as an oak of righteousness. God sees me as an oak of righteousness. Thank you, Jesus, for the cross. 
thank you for what you did that's given us hope and a future that's given us our salvation it has made possible that we can be moved from the old place to the new place thank you that your cross your resurrection means life it means hope it means truth thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus thank you Jesus God I pray for everyone here who has had these lies spoken over their life I pray for freedom this morning I pray that the power of the blood of Jesus would cleanse them and would speak life over them and future because you are because of Jesus an oak of righteousness you make the cut you're in there's a place for you in God's family let's sing let's worship let's just thank God that he is glorified that he is alive in us that he is the name above all names. That at his name every knee shall bow. Every tongue confess. Every lie will be gone and will flee. Because of the goodness and the grace of our Savior. Our Savior, Jesus. Amen. For more information about our church or to access more of our resources, please visit thefreedomcenter.com.